0: Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host Jim Good. Hey, Jim. Hey, how you doing, Gian? Doing well, doing well. Jim, today is the last episode of our podcast for the year 2022. So it's been such a great year. We started the year just me and Chad. Then you joined uh, after the summer, this fall. What have been you, your impression so far of being in the podcast for this last semester?
1: Oh, it's been great, man. I love it. I love the conversation, love the opportunity that you guys have given me to, you know, team up and just meet some incredible, incredible coaches. And uh, man, what what a profession, what a calling on these individuals. So I'm, I'm humbled, I'm blessed, I'm grateful. And like you said, hard to believe 2022. So we're getting ready for Christmas. What's the big plans for the Leeming family?
0: We're gonna stay around in Lynchburg. Um, we may have some of the tennis players, the international tennis players, that are not going home. That we might okay. have them over for for lunch on Christmas Day. Our kids just love hanging out. They think they're so cool, you know, hanging out with the college athletes and oh, yeah. and get them to be in their little environment and their little playhouses and things. Um, and I think it's just good to expose my kids to that kind of uh, kind of people, you know, like yeah. so that maybe they can aspire to be like them at one time. What What are your plans? for Christmas. That's really good. Uh
1: looking to just hang out in South Florida. I mean, it's hopefully going to be in the 70s. You know, 75, <laughs> might go swimming on Christmas Day. But uh looking to just hang with the family, uh made some hot chocolate yesterday. Again, hard to drink hot chocolate when it's 75. But I watched the uh the Grinch with my two girls. So just looking to hang out with the family a little bit and uh enjoy them not being at school, price sleep in play some games so just some family time
0: that's great that's great and then like we said this is the last episode and so we're not going to see each other until the beginning of of 2023 do you have any aspirations for 2023 what is maybe i know you you interviewed john gordon this year for our podcast do you have one word for 2023 I'm so glad you asked that. No more New Year's resolutions.
1: So I like that. Aspirations and goals. Um, I'm praying about my one word and I'm not going to quite share it yet, but actually this past week, I was just praying about my one word as I uh, adopted that philosophy about five years ago, done it with my family, my kids, my team. So I'm excited, but I don't reveal that word to
0: January 1st, but I think I got it. What about you? Um, yeah, like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, um, I signed up for a marathon in 2023. Um, my wife and I are, are praying through mission opportunities for us to take our, our young kids on trying to see where we could go to, to expose them to, to new environment. Um, one nice. of my, one of our core values at, at our family is curiosity. So we're always trying to push the boundaries and show, you know, showing them how the rest of the world lives that Lynchburg wow. is not truly the real life you know we're in this bubble here you know surrounded by Christian people their school is Christian everything is Christian trying to expose them to a little bit of the outside world and and just see how they adapt you know so good let's get let's get right into the episode Jim Um, we saved this one because it it is really good Ted Rath um, he is the vice president of player performance for the Philadelphia Eagles and like I talked in the podcast with him, it was such a fast turnaround. I I heard him speak at a different podcast with Ryan Hawk, the learning leader uh, show. And I was like, ooh. and then he briefly mentioned something about Jesus in the podcast and it wasn't a Christian podcast, but he just briefly mentioned it. And I put a note on my phone, let me just message this guy and see. And somehow he, you know, he, he replied to me on, on, on Instagram. um, And it was, we were able to schedule really fast. He, Luckily, he had a Monday night game that week. And so Friday, he was a little bit free. We're able to record it. And impressively, I feel like the Eagles are, are having a great season. They're the number one Crazy. seed in the entire NFL. But they're also one of the healthiest teams. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the secrets for their success. They're not losing players left and right. Like a lot of, like your Steelers, like my Patriots. I feel like the the IR is bigger than the actual roster of the Patriots. There's just more people there seeing doctors than than actually seeing the playing time. Um, But Ted was so good. Fire, GN. straight
1: fire. You did an amazing job. This was a great conversation. My favorite emoji is the fire flame (laughs) and then the bicep muscle. So when I think of Ted Rath, it's like fire flame, bicep muscle, these strength and conditioning guys, they're a different breed, man. But um, as I listen to the conversation, you can just, in the first minute, hear the energy, the passion in his voice as he talks about his values of hard work, consistency. But what an incredible episode. You're gonna pull out so much from this. So, man, enjoy his episode.
0: Ted Rath, thank you so much for coming on the Christian coach podcast. This was a very fast turnaround for us. Um, I I think I emailed you on Monday, and we got this on a Friday. Um, You're so busy with your season. So we're just so thankful that you're able to take some time to talk to us. But my first question, and it's always our power question is what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach?
2: Oh, great question. First of all, thank you. I really appreciate your time, Gene, and really just the opportunity to be on here. This is, you guys spread the word, man. I, I can't thank you enough for the work that you guys are doing. But to be a Christian coach, I think with that comes, the first word that comes to my mind, power. And because that it's you have power to impact lives, not just for me, what I've done, my histories and strength and conditioning and working up through certain things. That's the physiological. But when you talk, you talk about the mind, body and soul, Jen, and the impact that we can have, I can't tell you how many times a, a fellow coach, a player an administrator has, has been sitting in my office, has come down for life challenges and the tears that have flown, the bonds that have been formed and those things going through really the nitty gritty issues in life when guys are dealing with really, really tough adversity. That's what it means to me, because there's power in those moments. There's power in the ability to have an impact on people. And for me, I don't take that lightly. Every day I come to work, you don't know what's around the corner, just like in any profession. But, man, we have things flying at us left and right. And you can imagine the stuff that our players deal with from you know, a lot of them make a lot of money. And some of the people that are pushing, pulling and asking for certain things there's a lot of opportunity there for guys to make bad decisions. And if that happens, that's okay. We don't judge. We move forward and we say, all right, how are we going to get better through this? How are we going to learn? How are we going to grow? And then on the opposite end, there's great opportunities to impact lives in a positive way because we have this great platform. That's, that's why I love doing things like this to spread the word of Jesus Christ in a powerful platform like this, that's power. And that's, that's an impressive opportunity. And, you know, once again, hats off to what you're doing with that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great and powerful uh, answer there. Um, Take us back to a young Ted. Um, Did you have a nickname? Where did you grow up? What was your faith journey all the way up to now?
2: Yeah, Ted is my nickname, but full name Theodore, named after my grandfather. And really, really unique upbringing from, you know, grew up in a rural, rural area where I think my graduating class was around 80 people, so small town. Grew up in a very small, small neighborhood or out in the country, really, where my grandfather's farm was right next to our house. So growing up, going through that, helping on the farm, just really learned. I raised uh, pigs, took them to 4-H, which is an agricultural program, like really got to do some cool stuff. But for me, it was my grandpa called me Little T. Everyone else kind of called me Ted, Teddy, Theo. I got a tons of nicknames. I won't tell you what my wife calls me when she's mad at me, Jan. It's not very Christian-like. But we all have those moments. Yeah. For me, I'm joking, of course. But for me, you know, grew up in a small town. And I love that. Actually, growing up through that developing. I met my wife in high school and just going to the same school for my whole life, which is something, unfortunately, my children won't get to do because I've moved so many times already. You know, I I hold that deep in my heart because I still have a lot of friends from back home. I still keep in contact. I still talk to a lot of those guys, girls and everyone that's had a traumatic impact on my life. So wouldn't change it. Love my, my parents did a great job. You know, I can't thank them enough for what they did. They're still together. They're still around. Thank God. But man, just a really good upbringing, really good upbringing.
0: Yeah, that's great. What are some of the the values that your parents and even your your grandfather there instilled in you from an early age that now you're trying to transmit that to your to your own kids as well as the players and the Eagles?
2: Great question. You know, first hard work, and when you approach life, what you have to be willing to do, you have to be willing to do uncomfortable things if you want to achieve greatness. And I think watching my grandfather as a farmer, there's I don't know if there's a more noble profession where you you work your butt off, and you are grinding. You're up before the sun rises, and you're staying out there, and you're plowing the fields way past when the sun goes down. You want to go through some physically tough, challenging things, go bale hay for a whole day out in the hot, humid summer in a Michigan climate. So for me, I learned that. and Then my parents passed it down, too. I I remember my father would get up at 2.30 in the morning super early, go to his job, come home, and still have time for the kids. He would coach our Little League teams. My mom was a constant grinder, whether it was working or just if someone told her she couldn't do something because she was a woman, she would do it. And that's what I love about them. So instilling hey man, there's nothing in this world that you can hang your head on like hard work because it's ultimately your choice how hard you're willing to work towards something. And then we always had that faith-based background. I grew up in the church and that's something I'm so thankful for because what are we here? What are we meant to do? Well, we're meant to provide. We're meant to make a difference in other people's lives and to spread the word that God's given us. So for me, what better way do you do that through hard work so if I can set a consistent example through how hard I work and how consistent I am I think that I can lead people down the path to hopefully making a positive impact in their lives
0: that's that's great that's great let's shift focus now you you've been coaching now at the NFL for for a while um we we would consider the NFL a secular setting right it's not it's not a Christian business how how do you implement your your faith into that setting on a regular basis that's a really good question. Uh, you know,
2: it is obviously a secular setting, but I will say this, there are a lot of Christian influences within a, an NFL building, a college building. We have coaches Bible study every week. We have these opportunities to fellowship with one another that ultimately through the grind of an NFL season GN, is tough. So that helps reset us. That helps recalibrate me. I know what it means for me to make sure that we have that time because clearly we we play mostly on Sundays. So that removes an opportunity yeah. for us to go fellowship and everything else so finding opportunities to do that but in the day-to-day life you know the, the one thing I've learned don't judge others because everyone's going through their own thing and for me not to judge others means being open being welcoming and then I can share my faith in certain ways but I can also demonstrate it to everyone I don't have to walk around and force it force feed other people, but by how I live my life, and then when people realize that I do have a Christian value-based background, okay, maybe they're going to look at it a little bit differently if I hold myself to a very high standard, and I consistently do the right things, and I say the right things, and I don't, we all make mistakes. I'm nowhere near perfect. I screw up more than anybody, so for me, being able to come back, forgive myself, forgive others, and then move on, don't pass judgment, those are the things that I see living out in a secular environment and it's no different in the world, you know, do what's right, treat others. It's the golden rule, treat others as you wish to be treated. And what better example can we do through doing that day by day through a consistent effort?
0: Yeah. I think when, when we have the Christian label, people from the outside think that we think we're holier than the rest of the people, you know, and it's complete opposite. It's just, we just acknowledge our faults and, and that we acknowledge the need for our savior. And I think when we don't judge, you know, and we're so much more welcoming and it surprises people that we come and contact. Oh, oh, wow, I thought you would judge me for this decision. And I was like, look, it doesn't, in God's eyes, any bad decision has equal weight and we all need to be saved by, by Jesus. Um, so it, uh, it's refreshing to hear that. Um, you became famous and even ESPN did a few segments on you're the get back coach. And I want to talk a little bit about that, maybe on a little fun side. But how did you get started as the get back coach with the Rams? Right. Um, And and what is the technique? Can you just break it down for us? And what what are you looking for as the get back coach?
2: You know, I'm glad they did that because that shows the fun (laughs) side of it. It's not always fun. Honestly, it's probably the worst job in professional sports where it sum it all down to break it down. We have to tell grown men where to stand and they never listen. Everyone, everyone wants to be close to the action. I don't fault them for it. It's great. Coaches are trying to coach signal in. they're trying to get the plays in personnel change. Players are trying to get up so that they're ready and the coaches see them. They can get put into the game. So for me, it, you know, that's the fun side of it, how we got it. it, I don't know how it transpired, but the strength coach has always kind of been known as the get back coach. In that particular environment, which was fun with Sean, Sean McVay, you know, Sean basically came to me and we had, we had developed a really good relationship, good friendship, and he's a great faith-based guy. And we had developed this. And he basically said, you know, I, this is his words. I'm kind of a nut on game day. I'm not going to be aware of everything. He's like, whatever you got to do, do it. Just rip me out of the way. I, All right, I'm going to do it. I said, just, so you know, I'm going to leave you alone until I absolutely have yeah. to. So Sean would always stand on the backside of the play so that he could okay. see everything develop, see the defense, and he would inevitably stand behind the official. And the official, the back judge typically is backpedaling, so he's not looking where he's going. So I have to keep him in my view. I have to keep Sean in my view and wait till the last moment and basically rip them out of the way grab them and move them and my wife always jokes she's like he's just not phased by us he told me to do <laughs> yeah. it i'm like we yeah. have this conversation said i'm just gonna wait then i'm gonna rip you out of the way then i'll let you go on and do your thing so that's how that one kind of came on but it, it yeah. really was fun man and that's that's the fun part of the game the stuff that goes on in the locker room on the sideline those types of yeah. conversations so that was really cool that they did that video segment
0: yeah i i what i liked was yeah he he just did, Looked like it was a normal occurrence of a day, just getting pulled back by another guy s- several times a game. Um, so yep. I thought I thought that was that was an interesting uh interesting story there. Um, you talked a lot about having the power to impact the lives of the players and the staff. What are some of the things that that you do on a recurring basis to develop that trust with your players specifically? This in a, in a world a, in a world that there's so much change over right and you know half of your roster this year might not even be on the roster next year um how, how how are you doing that
2: it's a great question again Gian the one thing i'll go back to something ryan hawk said and i told him i was going to steal this but he said consistency is the foundation of trust and i've always had a term i would say consistency is the truest measurement of performance it goes back to something sean and i used to always talk about but consistency being the foundation of trust once again I'm willing to give my trust away until you you burn it. And I we do background checks, obviously, like you mentioned. We get new players every day, even through the season. We'll make roster moves in the middle of a week. So for me, hearing the background, calling other coaches from the team that we might acquire a player from, or if it's the draft process going through the college and the training, the training positions where they were at and the people that they've interacted with, now I can take all that in. What I try to do is take everyone else's judgment, not make it my own, collect the information as I need but then erase it. You have day one. You're starting with me fresh. You're starting with me new. Here's my trust. I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to put everything I have in you to be a successful player, whether you're Jalen Hurts, our starting quarterback, or the guy that we just signed on the practice squad that week, you get everything in me. You get everything in my staff. You get everything of all of us because that's what you deserve. And then on the backside, what I'm going to give you is my consistency. I'm going to give you an unparalleled, relentless pursuit to be good for you every single day and to do whatever I can to put you in a better position. That's my job, that's my role. Through that, we're gonna eventually develop deeper trust day by day, week by week, month by month. If we have the guy for multiple years through years and how does that happen? Eventually we start to connect and then eventually we start to show vulnerability. One of our core values within the Eagles organization is connect. How do you connect? You have to spend time with guys. So sitting down and having organic conversations in lunch, having guys come in and have separate conversations, not just within structured work hours, that's when you really get those deep connections. But if I can't be consistent each and every day, ultimately, why would you trust me? So that's my number one goal: is to be consistent so that I can bridge and build that trust each and every day.
0: Yeah, when I when I was coaching the the women's team here at Liberty, I used to call it uh, beyond the, the the baseline meetings, and they didn't know I called it that way, but I always had it in my mind. I need at least one of those meetings every day where I just meet. Where they are at you know and it could be we walking to class it could be just them getting ready for practice but we're just sitting on the bench talking instead of just bringing them in and making them sit down in the office and be like hey how are you doing you know and they always thinking there's something behind that question but when you meet them where they're at i think that speeds that process so so fast
2: absolutely and it takes effort you have to be willing to go forth and it takes time and it takes it takes true effort so if yeah. you're not willing to do that you're not going to earn a lot of trust if you're willing to do that from a genuine place in your heart, I think ultimately it's untapped how much trust you can gain between you and that person.
0: Yeah. Now shifting to staff, you know, staff always has also turned turnover everywhere. You've been around a few times, you know, with this transition with family and things. How have you navigated all these changes in your career with your family and then building that report as well with new staffs?
2: Yeah, another great question, I think. Uh, First thing I'll say is it comes back to consistency. Day one, I better start my consistency path. So when you take on a new job, when you move, it's the same thing. Our children need to feel consistency, love. Hey, guys, we're going to move. We're going to move across country. Here's what's going to happen doesn't mean that it's not going to change anything. We're going to make new friends. We're going to keep in contact with your old friends, showing them that we're thinking through an empathetic view of what they might be feeling. And I think putting yourself in everyone else's situation, something that I've learned and I'm still learning, I'm trying to do better each and every day is, all right, when I'm going through a a, me personally, a life-changing event, well, how many people does that impact? Now, as you grow and you achieve bigger things, you take on bigger roles, you have a bigger staff and a growing staff. Now, if I If something were to happen or if there was another job opportunity, how many people does that impact? A lot more than it used to. So for me, it's them, it's their families, it's my family, it's my children, trying to make sure that I'm looking at this from a holistic standpoint and, you know, how is this going to impact everyone? And then once you get to the new building or the new staff, all right, immediately those organic conversations like we're talking about, you got to make time for them. You have to develop that trust within the building. Not just the coaching staff, but the administrative staff and the janitorial staff. Top to bottom, there's a lot of people that work inside an NFL organization, just like a university, just like an athletics department. So for me, am I making time? Am I putting forth the effort that I need to to make sure that I'm impacting them? They're getting to know me. I'm getting to know them. And it's coming from an organic, authentic place in my heart. That's the step. And I got to do it consistently. I'll keep coming back to consistency. You got to be willing to do that each and every day.
0: Yeah. Well, what, what are some, if somebody that's listening right now is like, man, that's one of the areas that I really struggle consistency, you know, like I set a goal for myself and the first two days I'm tackling it, I'm going to exercise and then I just fall off. What are some of the things that you've done in your life to develop that consistency in all areas?
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, I still try to develop it. Yeah. It's not it, we're never a finished product. So for me, set small goals, start small. Okay. If your goal is to work out in the morning, we'll take a random one make it a goal, maybe three days this week. All right, start with three days. Don't say I'm going to work out six days this week, if you haven't worked out in the last two years, set realistic, attainable goals, but then hold yourself accountable to them. So if you're you're saying I'm going to wake up at 630 in the morning, and I'm going to get my workout before work starts, set that goal, but make it realistic Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever you choose to do, and then give yourself some credit, give yourself a reward, set it say if I do this for a month straight, I get to buy that X amount of whatever that I was looking at. So reward yourself or take your family out to a nice dinner, whatever it is, and then build upon that. So you start with small strategic steps. And for me, everything is about the process. So when I come back to consistency, it's about my daily process. Did I put one foot in, in front of the other? When I wake up in the morning, how fast can I shut the alarm off? How fast can I hit my knees, say my prayers, and then go on to my next activity? So for me, that process has to be locked in, Gene. If you do that day to day, you will create a habit. How do you create habits? Through repetition, through consistency. So those are the things James Clear writes about atomic habits. How do you do it? You do it day by day by day, and you do it for a prolonged period of time. So I think mental toughness is the same way, just as you go through this walk as a Christian in life. Being tough is one thing, but who can be toughest the longest because things are going to continue to come at you. So if you can do that repetitively and then create those positive habits, which happens over time, it'll inevitably take care of itself. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. And if you make a mistake, forgive yourself, move on, jump back on the horse, get on it the next day and then move forward. I think that's the thing. If people throw themselves away and they feel horrible that they missed one day, just move on. It's okay. People make mistakes. We all do. Next step. Next step. Next step. Just continue on that process, and ultimately you'll develop those
0: good habits. Yeah, I, you know, I've I've trained and completed a half fireman last year, and it was terrible. It was so hard. And I trained it. I trained for it. I got I got lucky that COVID happened, and I had the time to do it. But but then for 2022, right at the end of 21, I I decided I was going to run three miles a day. That was my goal. And three miles a day, not more, not less. Just three miles consistency. First day I went out so cold here in Virginia, went out, ran the three miles. The next day there was a blizzard, you know, and I'm like, well, (laughs) that's not happening. Uh, I already messed up, you know, I already messed up. So then I adjusted to I'm going to run this amount of miles in a month. Then that way it gives me flexibility. Even if I miss a day, I'm not a failure. You know, it's like I still can achieve that goal. So sometimes it does end up me being like, you know, January 30th, running eight miles to catch up, you know, instead of my the average three miles. Sure. But I think sometimes we're just so strict on rules that it just yeah. doesn't allow us to, to find success early on. And then we just end up giving up. That's why so many New Year's resolution fails all the time.
2: Well, you did two beautiful things there. You made it realistic and attainable, but you also gave yourself the ability, the forgiveness to say, I can adapt this too. It's yeah. you said it one time, doesn't mean that that's the be you have to do that for the rest of your life. That's daunting. That's a task. No, I just have to be better today. And then if I get to the point where I realize this isn't doing it for me, it's fluid. It's natural. Adapt, just change the plan, adapt it, modify it to what you need, and then go attack that process. But we're constantly adapting. Never give yourself an opportunity not to adapt. It's okay yeah. to adapt.
0: For sure. For sure. Talking about habits, what are, what are some of your daily habits that set you up for success? Yeah, like I
2: said, I wake up in the morning, knees hit the ground immediately. How fast can I shut my alarm off? Jump out of bed. Sometimes I scare my wife awake because of how fast I get out of bed. She's like, what's wrong with you? I a lot. But for me, I get down, get on my knees, I say my prayers, and then I go on, I, I read the Bible. It's one of the first things I do in the morning. So I got to get in God's word. And it's typically early, early in the morning. Eat a quick breakfast, then I drive to work. And my drive to work, I'm either listening to a podcast or something, trying to better myself within that little commute. Then when I get to work, I read a quick scripture here too. So I've kind of multiple things hitting me at once in the morning, just to make sure I'm getting my mind right, setting myself up. And then I work out part of me working out is first time in the morning. That's my time. If I don't do it, then inevitably GM things pop up. So if I say I'm going to wait till the end of the day, once again, my goals, I had to adapt. I said, I have to do this in the morning. Otherwise I'm never going to have time at the end of the day. And when I get to the end of a 15, 16 hour day, I'm going home to try to see my family in time to put my kids to bed. So for me, that's how I adapted it. And then within that, I also love to read, you know, I'm a, we're all lifelong learners. So I'll actually read within my workout. I'll do a quick, if it's a strength training day, I'll strength train, but then I'll do cardio while I read a book. So you'll see me on a Stairmaster on a treadmill. I'm reading, I'm taking notes on my phone but I'm also multitasking. I'm I'm doing cardiovascular fitness. So for me, that's the realistic setup of what I need. And people probably think I'm a nut job, but Hey man, that's how I got to get my day started. And then I can go on and attack the day and then, Hey, bring on whatever it is today. And what fires do we have to put out? Let's go.
0: Yeah. That's one thing that I've also adapted in my life was I used to be a morning workout guy because that was when I could sneak it in, you know, but I realized that early morning is when I'm at my sharpest in my mind you know? So I don't want to waste that time working out. I can go work out when, after lunch when I feel like I'm about to fall asleep because then I can't do any real work. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, if I'm not working out in the morning, it's it's not going to happen at all. But I think the majority of the time in the morning is when we usually have a little bit of flexibility. And I thought that way too. And I was like, oh, I need to work in the morning, but then after lunch, I'm just dead. And then my work suffers as well. So I think figuring it out what well, works for you, some people like to work way after, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, if I can't work out in the morning, then I can't work out at all day. Or if I can't work out at night, then I can't. Again, going back to just being so rules-based that we just don't find any flexibility in achieving our goals. That's great. Well, you got, it's individual. You have
2: to figure out what works for you. Absolutely yeah, agree. Yeah,
0: for sure. I, I I watch David Goggins' videos all the time, but it doesn't mean I'm just going to start running shirtless out there in the <laughs> woods, you know? It's like... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, my last question. Um, in Back in 2018, I, I, I read... That you had a stroke, right? Like a mini stroke. What What was that like? What was the situation around you surrounding you at that moment? And then, what did God teach you during that season of your life?
2: Powerful lesson, you know. To be quick answered, but for me, going back to that time, I was in my young thirties. We were in it was my second season with the Rams. We were that year. We ended up going to the Super Bowl. We knew we had a good team. We had kind of overachieved. We We turned the team over fast. So having all this professional success. And life's great, right? You know, and it's, things are going good. It's the middle of the off season. I was actually at work at the time, didn't feel well, went through the process, eventually got through and went to the hospital. By the time they got me to the hospital, had lost the ability to speak, get me rushed in. And then I can kind of remember looking to and seeing about 15 doctors, nurses, everyone rushing around me and thinking, this probably isn't good. (laughs) And, you know, go through that process, kind of blank here and there, and then kind of wake up or come to, and realize, all right, what's going on, can understand a little bit. Now the doctor's explaining to me what's going on, still don't have the ability to speak. They got this plot buster in me in the right time. And there's a certain time frame that they have to get this in basically to hopefully avoid long-term damage. And thank God they got it into me, rushed me in there and the Rams medical staff and everyone helped tremendously. So that was a big part. And then I remember specifically, there's a vivid image that I remember laying in bed in the ICU without the ability to speak. And I looked up and I saw a priest walk by. And I don't know if they were there to deliver less last I don't know what the situation was. But in that moment, just thinking, OK, wow, this life is this is fragile. The health status doesn't discriminate based on your fitness level, based on your age. At that point, I'm in my low 30s. I'm healthy. I work out. I take care of myself. I don't have risk factors. They eventually found a hole in my heart, which is what caused it. So going through that process and then just thinking about my family, three young children at home, my wife. And knowing how worried they probably were at that point and trying to put myself in their shoes again and just thinking, man, what what do I need to control? What's God trying to tell me and communicate to me? To me, what I took away is slow down, enjoy every day. And, you know, there I think there's lessons in everything, because later that year, even our team went through severe adversity just to get to the Super Bowl and the things that were going on at that time. You know, God teaches you a lesson and he gives you things. He gives you adversity. But sometimes if you recognize that as a challenge. That's the wrong outlook. For me, if you recognize that as an opportunity, you're gonna grow and you're gonna come out on the other end as a better Christian, as a better father, better husband, better person, better coach, better teacher, whatever your role is in life, you're gonna be better if you take that challenge as exactly that an opportunity, not a challenge. When you walk up against it, the obstacle is the way. Ryan Holiday writes yeah, yeah. about it beautifully. When you look at that, you can you can embrace it and then you can better yourself through that process. And once again. It slowed me down, forced me to kind of reevaluate goals, what I define myself is, what gives me value, all those things. And really what I had to do to be a better person in all phases of my life. So it it taught me a lot, taught me a ton.
0: That's great. That's great. Ted, thank you so much for taking the time besides praying for a Super Bowl ring here at the end (laughs) of the season. um, I actually now I remember uh, you you told your you said your goal is to win three Super Bowl rings to give one to each of your children. And then one of your children mentioned, how about mom? You know, and I think it's a fourth ring that it's the hardest one, uh, so, um, no but yeah. But how, how can we be praying for you?
2: You know, just day-to-day uh, perseverance. I think health for the family, safety for the family. Those are the things. This time of year, I always say, you know, pray for the homeless as weather starts to change in places like Virginia and the Northeast. I always keep the people who are very less fortunate, those people in mind, but, you know, any prayers for our family is always, obviously always, always appreciated.
0: Perfect. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for allowing uh, Ted here to take some time off of his busy schedule just to share his story and share his message with all of us here listening today. Um, Lord, I pray for his family, pray for his three young children, his wife, that they'll stay safe throughout the season, that that there'll be a great support system for Ted and that Ted will be there to support him as, as he can, Lord. And Lord, I pray for for the day-to-day perseverance of the entire staff there with the Eagles, um, with, with everyone involved in the program. Um, and Lord, finally, we, we, we lift up the homeless, the, the needy, that in times of winter, they, um, they suffer a lot more. Um, Lord, may, may you put people in their path to, to help them, to help them get through the season, Lord, and that they ultimately they'll, they'll get to know you as well, Lord, and they'll come to a relationship with you. Um, Father, thanks again for, for this conversation and uh, all the praise and glory to you. In your name, I Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, Jim,
1: but I'm ready to run through the wall for this guy, man. Again, incredible conversation, so much passion, so much energy. And honestly, when I was listening, I forgot about him being the get back coach. So if you... Haven't had the opportunity to see this clip. Go YouTube the Get Back Coach as he's with the Rams. And you can see a little bit of what Gene and uh, Ted were talking about. But again, Gene, incredible conversation. Appreciate Ted taking the time to share that. And I I love the lessons that he shared, um, even through, uh, you know, a difficult situation having that stroke and uh, him opening up and sharing that and then one little thing I took away I remember he said how quickly can I get out of bed and his morning routine he talked about that so not hitting the alarm not hitting snooze and just jumping out of bed I'm gonna try that yeah. uh the next time I get up yeah. early in the morning
0: yeah I wish there was a, a an alarm that once it started ringing it would actually start timing how long it takes you to, until you hit stop or, uh, and just see, try to make a game out of it. Um, but I'm sure yeah, a lot of people nice. would, would try to do that. Um, one thing I, I, I wanted to bring up. And as I was listening again to this interview to prepare for this gym, it convicted me. I, and I, and I, and I had just done my reading this uh, this morning and it talked about that. Any work is holy work. As long as there's a Christ follower in there, there's no such thing as secular workplace. And I called the NFL a secular workplace, but there's so many Christ followers in there that they have Jesus with them. And if Jesus is with them, Jesus is in that building, Jesus is on that field. So that means that it's not secular work anymore; it's holy work. And um, and that just um, convicted me this morning. I was doing my reading, and then I listened to the podcast again to 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 get you know to to freshen up. And, and it just really, um, that stood out to me. So coach, remember that, you know, if you're working at a Christian school, if you're working at a public school, if you're working in business, or if you're working at, in church, um, that all that you're doing is holy work. Nothing is, is secular work and don't separate those two areas of your life. Um, but coach, remember in 2022, as you finish the year and as you start 2023, that the mission field is right where you're at.